0: that was uh jd walt who is uh formerly the dean of uh, the chapel at asbury seminary where i went to school As well as uh, he now is what he calls the sower in chief uh, for a group called Seedbed. And um, uh, you kind of see there uh, in that video uh, a large part of why uh, the group Seedbed exists, and that is to uh, do everything that they can to help equip and resource us as the church uh, to be who God's calling us to be. Um, At this time, I do want to ask you to do something real quick. We're going to, if those uh, baskets have made their way to the outside, I want to invite you to take those and pass those back in but everybody grab one of these. There's a little card here that says all in and grab a pen if you need one. There should be a pen in there and make sure you get one of those and uh, we're going to be looking at that and having a a bit of a reflection time at the end of the sermon today and then uh, pushing a couple of our songs back to the back end there uh, as well. So please uh, just be ready for that. For that time when uh, you can respond to what what God might be speaking to you in that moment. So in this video that we just saw, there are what he calls 10 transformational stops. And this is basically uh, a way of understanding somebody's faith journey from not even knowing Jesus to being fully who God uh, made us to be and fully living out the life that God had us. And there are different ways you can parse this out. But George Barna parsed this out in these 10 different steps or 10 different stops. And the first five are these. I'm just going to repeat them. Unaware of sin, indifferent to sin, worried about sin, forgiven from sin. And then the fifth one is forgiven and active in sin the church we're going to just stop right there according to Barna's research most people do not get past that point they don't go on to the second half of that journey 89 percent of people are in steps one two three four or five and only 11 percent move beyond step five They don't go on to the second half of the journey. I think this is what Jim Jackson referenced a few weeks ago when he was here. He talked about what he called the Christian four-step. And he compares uh, the 12 steps of recovery to really the 12 steps of, of walking in Christ and living life in Christ. And uh, he says that really the, the 12 steps was originally not just a recovery emphasis, but it was how to be a Christian, how to live out a Christian life. And he says what most Christians do is what he calls the Christian four step. And the Christian four step looks a lot like those first five steps. And people get to a place where, in step five, they come to this place of forgiven by God and active in the church. And that's it. Come, God loves you. God's forgiven you. Now, come to church. Go do some stuff. Be a good person. Be nice to other people. Those are all good things. But is, is that the end? Is that the fullness of the life that God has for us? To know that God has forgiven us, and after that, just try to be a good person? Is that it? Or is there more? As you look at the video, hopefully we can see that there's more to our life in Christ. This series that we're doing, as Jared said, is called All In. And I know when I hear the words all in, I, I just think of this poker metaphor, right? And you got all your chips and, and there's this sense of being all in means that you're taking every one of those chips and you're pushing them to the center of the table. That's, that's what it means to be all in uh, around the poker table. Um, but what does it mean to be all in in the other areas of our life? Is the life that God has for you to be a half in life? To be a little bit in? Or is God calling you to be all in in your life? All in in your walk with Jesus. All in in your willingness to say, God, here I am. Do with me what you made me to do. Show me your ways. Let me be 100% who you want me to be. Not 10%, not 40%, 100%. Let me be all in on what it is that you would have for me. The, the phrase all in comes from, uh, or at least we as a church leadership saw this over and over again as we begin to look at Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4 and how the disciples devoted themselves to prayers, uh, to the teaching, to fellowship, uh, and to sharing and giving their possessions to one another. They, with their lives, were all in on the movement of the church and of Jesus and the Spirit moving through them. We sit today and we reflect on what does all in look like in our life. And so over the course of today and the next three weeks, we're going to look at four different areas on how God might be calling you to go all in. Today, we're going to look at how do we go all in on what I'm just going to call transformation. Okay, transformation or being transformed by God to be changed by God as as you think about those 10 steps on the video those those last five steps were really getting into those heavier rounds of transformation and really get into uh, the deeper parts of the human soul it's very important that we look at uh, the Christian life in this way Because if we're not willing to be changed from deep down inside, then uh, really the only thing left that we can do is simply kind of modify our behavior. Behavior modification is about what we do on the outside. It's kind of this outside focused approach. And that's not a bad thing, but the human soul needs more than just a change in behavior, don't we? We need something deeper. We need something real, being transformed from the inside out. I think about my own children, and I think about our children's and our youth ministry and how the temptation as a parent or as a pastor or as as a leader in the church is to simply settle for, well, we just want to have good kids, We just want our kids to not do drugs and to not date people that do and to make good grades and to be successful and to get out of bed in the morning and to, you know, not have me make them get out of bed in the morning, somehow do it on their own someday. Those are good goals. Parents, can I get an amen out there? Those are good things for our kids, right? We want them to be productive citizens of society. That's a good thing, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And the business of the church is more than just making good kids. Making good people and being good people. We're about making and being disciples. And that has to do with the stuff of transformation deep down. And the stuff of transformation is not easy to engage in. Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. When I was in high school, I went on a three-day retreat it's called a chrysalis anybody ever heard of a walk to Emmaus or a chrysalis so a chrysalis is the kind of the high school version of a walk to Emmaus and it's this three-day retreat well In the biological world, a chrysalis is basically the housing that a caterpillar builds around themselves. And in that short period of time, in the chrysalis, the caterpillar is transformed into a beautiful butterfly. Well, spiritually speaking, we need the chrysalis of God's love so that we can be transformed we need to be wrapped up into the goodness and the grace of god so that not that we just do different things but that we become a different person scripture says that you and i were created in christ jesus for good works. We're created new. We are a new creation. When we accept Christ into our lives, God begins to change us in our hearts if we cooperate with His grace, if we let Him do that. If we wrap ourselves up in the chrysalis, then metamorphosis will begin to happen in your heart and in your soul. So... Let's take a look at the second half of that list. Words and phrases like stage six, holy discontent, broken by God, surrender and submission, profound love for God, and finally, profound love for people. Why is it that most people don't get past the first half and into the second half of those different stops along the transformational journey. In other words, why do so few not go all in on what God wants to do in their hearts and in their minds? Well, I want to give us four possible reasons that this is the case. And the purpose is as if we understand what keeps us from being transformed, then maybe those are ways that we can those are roadblocks that we can get out of the way in each of our own lives. So, four reasons why people do not go all in on the transformation that God wants to do in their lives. The first reason is that they say to themselves, this is all there is. This is it. God loves me. God has forgiven me. And now I just got to be a good person. And I got to just try real hard. And when I screw up, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and just keep on trying. And that's it. And maybe it's on pastors for not putting this out more. Maybe it's on all of us for, for not seeking more. But somewhere in there, people say, well, yeah, that's, that's the Christian life. You're forgiven, be a good person until you die it feels as if after we experience god's forgiveness this way of being and thinking kind of feels like it's all on us isn't it god's forgiven me but it's really up to me to be a good person it's really up to me to to do it all myself it's just one more version of religious achieving mentality Brothers and sisters, there is so much more. The gospel that we proclaim, even the the book of Galatians that we just walked through these last six weeks, testifies that God has sent the Holy Spirit into the hearts of those who believe. And that the purpose of, and one of the functions of that spirit is that the spirit transforms us from the inside out. Galatians chapter 2 verse 19 and 20 Paul says I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me that's not just me changing myself is it that's someone else living in me changing me the burden of of Change is not on me anymore. The burden of change is on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to do the changing. The Holy Spirit wants to do the work in me. And my choice is, am I going to allow Him to do such? It is Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me." This is the stuff of transformation, allowing the spirit of Jesus to live inside of us and to change us. There's so much more than simply, I'm forgiven, now I'm going to try to be a good person. Or, I'm just going to try to get away with as much as I can, right? Reason number two of why we may not go all in on transformation is this we believe that the second half of the journey of transformation, those second five stages, we believe that those stages really aren't that good. They're really not worth it. You see phrases like, broken by God, surrender and submission These sound what we would call negative in our world today, right? Because we've kind of been taught that anytime we experience pain or discomfort, that has to be a bad thing. It's a subliminal kind of a message, a subconscious message that as our world gets more and more comfortable... As we live in a world where, where there's all these other things around us that make us comfortable, we begin to think, well, if I'm uncomfortable, then that's a bad thing. And sometimes the greatest thing that can happen in our lives is for God to allow us to be a little uncomfortable. That that's sometimes the only environment in which we will really change. The subconscious assumption here is that the first half of the gospel about being forgiven is good news. But this second half, it's really not all that good of news. That's a false assumption. At first, it doesn't seem to be. But really, to be uncomfortable, to be broken by God... To come to a place where we have to surrender and submit ourselves over to the will of God means that we finally come to a place where we believe that what God wants for me is better than what I want for myself. That's the stuff of faith. When you can say, God, here's what I want. I want this world. I want these people to treat me in this way. I I want this to be the outcome in my life. But God, I trust that what you want for me is greater than what I want for me. Does that sound like a familiar prayer? I think someone prayed that the night before he died. Not my will, but your will be done, says Jesus. You know, it reminds me of... of um, kind of the marketplace of our world have have you ever gone in and shop for something and you're in the process of buying something and you say to yourself as you're maybe even at the register you have this eerie feeling like man I feel like I'm I really think I'm probably spending too much money on this anybody have that conviction nobody man wow you guys are awesome So, you know, you're there and like, I've got the credit card out and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, I can't go back now. It's too embarrassing. You know, I've already put it on the table. And so you make the purchase and you walk out, you have these mixed feelings. Well, then as the the days go on, the weeks go on, the months go on and the years go on, that thing that you bought ends up having this really good place in your world. And it lasts for a long time. And it's just, it's a good, made of good material, whatever it is, and it lasts for a long time. And, and the day comes when you look back and you say, man, that was a great investment. At the time, I didn't know if it was worth it. But now, looking back, I'm so glad I did that. I know that goes the other way too, doesn't it? Man, I shouldn't have bought that. We're staying on the positive side of this still for now. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. When Paul says, I give my life to God and he follows Jesus, he, he looks back and he says, yeah, I can see it now. This, this whole life of being transformed is worth it. In the moment, though, it's not as easy, is it? It requires serious faith. It requires a willingness to say, God, I'm going to go all in. And I don't even know if this is worth it or not, but I'm going I'm to give you a shot. Reason number two, we believe the second half of the stages is not really good. In reality, transformation is, is better than you think it is. Reason number three of why people don't go all in on transformation. We excuse ourselves by saying, well, the second half is not really for me. It's for the spiritual types. It's for the pastor. It's for the the, the director of such and such ministry, it's, it's for those other people. This is sometimes how I feel when I see on my Facebook feed people who are doing like 300 push-ups, you know, or they're working out at the gym and they got like 845s on each side and they're just kind of going crazy and they've, they've been working out for seven hours that day and I'm embellishing a little bit. But, you know, I look at them I'm like, man, I could never do that. That's too much. I, I could never run that far. I, I could never finish that race. I could never keep up. And, and somewhere in there is like, well, that that just must not be for me. And in reality, there's this little voice deep down inside of me that says, you know what, Bailey, you still need to exercise. You still need to do things to to keep this body that I have given you in good shape because. God just might want to use this body. He might just want you to be around for a while. And He might want you to be healthy. And it's a great way to honor God by doing that. I think sometimes we excuse ourselves, well, it's not really for me. I want to go back to Romans 12, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To present yourself to God is is to say, God, I worship you. And when we worship God, we're going all in. We're saying, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm laying it down. I'm surrendering. I'm saying, here I am Every bit of me. Take it, O Lord. You can have it all. That is what worship is. We are all called to worship. We've said this every now and then over the years. You know, we've said, My name is and I am a worshiper. Right? That's who we all are. I think we should do that just to make sure we're all awake this morning on a drizzly day. Okay, I'm gonna say it and then I wanna invite you to say it with me. My name is Bailey and I am a worshiper. You ready? Geared up? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. My name is Bailey and I am a worshiper. Good. That is who you are. And if you are a worshiper, then you are someone who says, God, I'm giving you my life. That is what worship is. When we worship, we are changed. When we worship, we are transformed. Finally, reason number four of why people tend to not go all in on transformation. And I think we're kind of getting at the heart of the matter here on reason number four. And that is just that the second half is just too hard. It's just too hard. Most of us resist doing hard things i know i do if i have my choice whether i'm going to do something difficult or do something uh less difficult i'm just going to take the easy path there's kind of this thing in the human uh heart and mind we tend to take the easier path if we have an equal choice between two different things and so because of that I believe that God allows our lives to come into situations and circumstances that reveal and reflect our own brokenness. To where we say to ourselves, the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change and you know in your life when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of, of doing your part in change, then that's kind of God's way of kicking us and getting us off the, the metaphorical couch, if you will, and beginning to go all in on our transformation. And you can see this in our relationships. You can see this in your work. You can see this in your life. If, if you go a season of life without praying, for example, or a season of life without reading your Bible. This is what happens to me when if I kind of fall asleep in my disciplines, my spiritual disciplines, after a certain period of time, I feel like I'm not as close to God. And I feel like I'm not in touch with not only God, but not even in touch with myself. And after a while, that doesn't feel good and it doesn't feel right. And it's more discomforting, painful to (laughs) to be lazy about my faith than it is to invest in my faith. The pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. And so God will use the pain and the discomfort in your life to form you and shape you and transform you into his image. And your response to that is am I going to allow the things in my life and the things around me to change me into who God wants me to be? James chapter 1, verse 2. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Okay? Think of your trial. Okay? What are trials you going through right now? Consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Romans chapter five, not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts Through the Holy Spirit. God wants to use the pain and discomfort in your life. To shape you and form you into his image. And we can either humble ourselves and allow God to do that. Or we can resist God's grace. That sometimes only comes through the discomfort in life. What is it that you're going to do? Are you going to give yourself over to God? Are you going to worship him? Are you going to let him transform you from the inside out. God has sent his son Jesus and his spirit to live inside of us to wrap himself around us to be the chrysalis around us that we would be changed and transformed from the inside out. During this series, we're going to have a time of reflection. So I want to invite you to take your card and I have a couple of questions I want to pose before you and we're just going to have a time and Augie's going to play a little bit and this is going to be a time of prayer and, and, and do some reflecting. This is not for you to turn in. Okay? This isn't a test. I, I, I'm not expecting to see these. Don't put these in the basket. Take this home with you. Put it in your pocket. Take it home. Pray about it. Reflect on it. Let it be something that you can reflect on in your own self and your own mind. Here are the questions that I want to invite you to reflect on uh, and anything else you may feel God telling you and speaking to you uh, at this time. Question number one, how can I be on, all in on God's desire to transform me? Okay. What do I need to do to be all in on God's desire to transform me? And second of all, what do I need to either believe or do differently? Do I need to change the way that I am perceiving my life right now? Do I need to do something differently? Maybe something with prayer, something with serving others. Maybe I, I have an attitude that I need that I need to let God adjust. What is it that I need to do? Let us ask God the Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us as we enter into a time of prayer and reflection. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Come and show us what it is that you want us to know as we reflect and as we write down our responses to these questions. Come and minister to us at this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen.